This is episode seven on Mindset with DJ Conflict. If you're willing to take the C in whatever you're doing, that shit's not for you. Figure out what you want to get an A in and go do that. Welcome to On Mindset. My name is DJ Bounce and we are back. I am back. Don't call it a comeback. If you didn't know I was gone, well then forget about it. Episode 7 on Mindset. Today on the show, my guest is DJ Conflict. DJ Conflict is from Miami, Florida and is a super dope, super talented DJ and producer. One half of Discotech along with Joe Maz, which we definitely get into that story of how that came about. We also explore his history from where he began to where he's at and also what he has envisioned for the future, goals and uh, things that he plans to do. Um, we discuss traveling tips. Uh, we explore a lot of the preparation involved uh, for setting up for gigs and the week for him. We go over a lot of cool shit, man. This was a really cool episode for me. This was my first time meeting Conflict. We actually did the interview at Paramount Recording Studios here in Los Angeles, where I'm actually living now. And well, that's another story for later, I guess. The biggest takeaway from this interview was Conflict's mindset in general. Like no pun intended, this dude is a machine. And it's really cool to hear how he thinks and just kind of perceives uh life and work and and time and uh that was that was the one of the biggest takeaways that i got from this uh interview so let's get into it this is episode seven with dj conflict on mindset well welcome to la man you said that um you don't come out here too often or when you're playing i haven't or? been to one uh to la in a really long time mm-hmm. i used to come here more frequently uh to play some nightclubs that no longer exist right okay uh and then um since they ceased to exist (laughs) i stopped coming uh but i've been here a few times okay cool enjoying yourself so far huh yeah today was uh really great yesterday was really great uh i spent most of new year's and the beginning of january on the east coast and in the bahamas so I wanted to get away to the other side. Okay. Plus, I have some friends that live here. Right. And I wanted to link up with them. I hadn't seen them in a while and just hang out and have them show me around uh, because they know the city well. Yeah. And it's, it's, been, uh, it's been a blast. I feel like I should do this more often. Yeah, very cool. Definitely, uh, it's good to get out of your you know your own zone, I guess. You yes. Know I mean? Yeah. So it's yeah. really cool to experience that. Cool, dude. Well, I kind of want to jump into um, your now discotheque, yeah? You and Joe Maz, huh? With Joe Maz, yeah. We... we did for like an 18 month stretch okay we worked every day minimum of four hours to like 10 hours right and we put out a lot of uh official remixes and a lot of not official remixes Mm -hmm. and we cranked it it was like four hours to 18 hour days in the studio just like bam bam not 18 let's say 10 four to 10 hours a day because i didn't sleep there (laughs) but yeah, it was nonstop, nonstop, nonstop for 18 months, what I should say. And we got a lot accomplished, mm-hmm. but there's so many people making music right now. Right, right. There's so many people making music that it's like, unless the record labels decide to get behind you and say, hey, you're our guys or you're our guy, 
here are all the resources you need. Right. You're just, it's another drop in the bucket. Right now from where we're sitting, we're sitting in a very nice recording studio. This place is legit. There's gold plaques all along the walls. There's gold cassettes all along the walls, just to give you an idea of how long this place has been open. From where we are, inside of a 10 mile radius, how many people do you, 10 miles, how many people do you think aspire to be millionaire musicians? Of course, in LA, where we're at. How many people would you guess? What's your guess? Uh, 10 mile radius. Close to, I don't want to say 10,000, but you know, it's up there, yeah? I would probably say that close to like 500 people inside of a 10 mile radius. Now, if you stretch that rate, well, maybe even more, because this is LA, so like this is like super packed. I'm saying. You might be be right. So imagine that that many people want to do the same thing, but there's only room for, you know, so many. Right, right. So I feel like it's really hard to make it in music. You have to have something super special or you have to have the label handpick you and say, you're going to be our champion racehorse. Right, for sure. And if that happens, it's a double-edged sword because they're going to say, so here's the loan that you have to pay back after uh, you become successful and win all your races. Yeah. You know, as, a, as, a, as our champion racehorse. Right. Here's a million dollars. People are always like after record deals are like, yo, I can't wait to get a deal. It's like, you, you understand that's a loan, right? That's not your money. Yeah. The record label says, hey, we believe in you. Here's a loan, interest-free, but you got to pay all this shit back. Yeah. Man, we're getting right into the dirty <laughs> business of it. I love it. Uh, if anyone doesn't know, Discotech was, you know, really big, popular um, production duo at the time. Then Trio, I believe. Right. Joe Maz, Danny Day. So I can give you yeah? the history. Right. Uh, Discotech started in Miami and Minnesota. It was Danny Day's, Joe Maz, and Gigamesh. That's Joe's brother. Uh, Gigamesh... Uh, has produced a bunch of like really amazing uh, tracks that made it onto radio. He did uh, the Mike Posner uh, Cooler Than Me remix that, that basically became the official record that hit radio uh, with the really dope uh, eighth pluck bass line. Right. So he did that. The original of Cooler Than Me was nothing like that, but that's the one that got a uh, radio play. Just like what happened with his other song, uh, Took a Pill in Ibiza. Like the original is, I think, a guitar ballad or something. Mm-hmm. And somebody remixed it, put a vocal chomp on it, and boom, hit radio, blew up. Which, at the end of the day, is a credit to Mike Posner, or Posner. I think it's Posner. Uh, because the dude can write. Yeah, yeah. Because if you have, like, your remixes are taken off like that, granted, maybe he, the composition of the song wasn't the best suited for radio, but the lyrics were so on point that they put a remix out and boom, blew up. So that was Gigamesh's uh, project, The Cooler Than Me. And I know he did other stuff too. Danny Days, Joe Maz, Gigamesh. Danny Days was in Miami. He and I have been friends for a really long time. We grew up in the DJ scene in Miami. We were like 15, 16, trying to DJ nightclubs trying to get into nightclubs really and he was really into drum and bass and like breaks he was always like into like the the small uh niche markets uh which turned out to be in his favor because after discotheque kind of like went their own ways that was the the original group was that trio and they had a bunch of really cool official remixes and they would put out a lot of i would say dj geared edits out to the public right um after they split up, 
to pursue different career paths, Danny Days got into making deeper sounding house music and like he's touring all over Europe, killing it, doing great nonstop. And Gigamesh is doing his production. Obviously, he works closely with record labels and Joe killing the, the DJ game and still working on the remixes and, and uh, stuff of that sort. After Discotech disbanded, Joe and I worked together at nightclubs in Miami and we had a really good synergy. So we kept seeing this EDM boom going on and we wanted to take part of it because obviously we liked to DJ uh, and I, I had dabbled in production, but Joe was really um, the leader when it came to, to making the music. We kept coming up with ideas of how we could like put together a duo like, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And then he's, he just said, why don't we just use the discotheque name? I'll ask Danny Days and Gigamesh. And I'm like, hell yeah, that sounds great. So Danny Days and Gigamesh were like, yeah, it's cool. Go for it. We don't care. We're doing our own thing. And that's how it came together. So we just started working on remixes. We hit up a few of our contacts to send us work and we started rocking and rolling. And that's what we did for about 18 months. And I want to say that maybe for the last couple months, you know, we haven't really been working because it was just like, dude, nonstop, 18 months, hardcore. And we needed a, I feel like maybe not we, but I def, cause he's still putting out like remixes right now. I definitely needed a break. I came to the conclusion which is cool. Uh, I think you have to like be honest with yourself if you're going to do something as many hours of the day as I was doing. I love to play music. I love to play music for crowds. I love to entertain. I like to make music. Mm. So since I like to make it, but I love to play it, I would be in the studio all day and you know, obviously be working and be focused and, and put in 100% to that. But then I'd be like, oh, I got to go DJ tonight. And then I'd feel excitement. So it's like, you can't help what you love to do. Right. I wish I loved to make music as much as I love to play it because then I would have an easier path to superstardom as far as the market goes right now. Gotcha. So, but discotech, like at that time, the whole Crook and Clan, edits, remixes, mashups, whatever you want to call it, like these were like the dudes, at least me personally, I felt that discotech, every time they put out something, I had to get it, right? Disco, 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 disco. When that opportunity came and everything was cool, did you feel, I mean, maybe not you had big shoes to fill, but did it feel kind of weird? Like, okay, well, I guess I'll be discotheque. How'd you feel during that? Not at all. No. No. Uh, for sure, discotheque was one of the best selling uh, groups on Crickland Clan right. for a long time. Because you had three DJs that were in nightclubs on a regular basis and they knew what was going to work. Yeah. So that's, at the end of the day, why most DJs become successful producers. Lil John, Dr. Dre, Swiss Beats, Jermaine Dupri, Just Blaze. Uh, if I'm forgetting someone, you know, sorry. But th that's because they're on uh duty over a dance floor at all times and they get to see what song works what doesn't so they know the formulas they're in that that like 
um, that wavelength and they're able to produce records that make sense and that work. Uh, so that's what I felt. I felt like I'm, I'm a DJ. I'm here all the time. I might not know specifically how to, um, you know, automate a side chain uh, over, you know, a specific part of the song, which after being with Joe, like all I would do is watch. Right. It's like, now ask me. I was there for 18 months. I figured out a lot of things yeah. on the fly. So for the most part, whenever I had an idea, I would be like, okay, this needs to do this. This has to do this. Let's, why don't we try, you know, I, I could potentially write music, which I did for a couple of songs, but he took the helm like he was the captain because he knew what he was doing on the production side. I just had the, the brain for it. Right. I didn't have the technical savvy. Yeah, gotcha. So I wasn't overwhelmed. I thought I could do it because whatever. I mean, <laughs> would you ever take a job that you're like, oh no, I can't do this? Right, right. Of course right. not. I was like, yeah, let's do this will be fun. And if we fail, we fail. That's okay. There's no problem with failing. Yeah. You just you know, maybe you wasted a little bit of time, but you would never know unless you tried. Of course. I felt like I had enough knowledge from all the years that I've spent watching people dance to know what's going to work and what's not going to work. Gotcha. I I do it every, you know, every few days when I screen music, that's what I'm doing. I'm basically, I'm picking the things that I think people are going to move to. So if I can pick them out and they're already made, why wouldn't I be able to at least try to put together something that I know is going to make them dance? Awesome. Awesome. At this point right now, I mean, you're in Miami, you're doing big clubs, you're traveling a lot, and I kind of want to get to... um you know, how that came about, that experience. Like, what was your journey actually to get there? Like, I think, you know, the a traditional stories, you know, the DJ who's in the bar, then he goes to the club, to the bigger clubs, and now he's the traveling DJ. Like, what was that like for you? How did, how did you get to that point? It started a few levels under the bar. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I used to, I guess, I'll make it fast because it's kind of a long-winded story, but I was 13 years old and I had maybe a hundred bucks for my birthday. So, with this birthday money on my 13th birthday, I was like, okay, I could either try to buy a go-kart or get a turntable <laughs> <laughs> because my cousin was really into hip hop. He was like a uh, break dancer and like, he'd like, he put me onto this DJ stuff and I think he had like a video of a DJ battle or something. And I was like, whoa, that is so cool. So I bought a turntable, one turntable with a mixer that had like needle readouts. It was very old right. and it came with two records, um, Ja Rule, Holla Holla and uh jizza breaker breaker it's funny it's t- two word <laughs> double word anyway it was a double word pack yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know so, that one <laughs> <laughs> so i just played with those records and I, pff, from there i was like whatever what's next i bought more records i bought like a dual cd player i would dj for my friends after school they would come over this was like when aol instant messenger was like really popping so my friends all had their screen names they'd come over to my house hop on my computer uh, or my mom's computer and just like hop on AOL, talk to chicks. So from there, I amassed enough music. I think in 10th grade, I got an MP3 player that held like 17 or 18 songs, probably an even number. And people were like, oh, what is that? I was like, it's an MP3 player. I held like 18 songs. They were like, whoa, 18 songs? That's amazing. I'm like, I know. I've been listening to music all day. I haven't repeated the song one time. And that was like super incredible. And it doesn't skip. It wasn't that long ago either, guys. It was like 10 years ago. So it doesn't skip. (laughs) And it's small. It fits in my pocket. True. So back then to amass music, you had to either buy the CD or get the record. And 
CD players were something I was looking into. We're talking about a dual CD player that just has a bunch of buttons. There's no wheel, no jo- no toggle, nothing. You just hit play and cue, and maybe it had a pitch control. Um, you, CDs were a lot better because you could potentially download music from Napster. I don't think that there was any way to like buy MP3s. If there was, I didn't know about it. And even if there was a way, I didn't have money to do it. So I just maybe allegedly download music from Napster and put it on CDs. And that to me was like perfect because I couldn't find the vinyl for hypnotize. I didn't know, I didn't have the label contact to send me promo records. I knew DJs a few years into this journey that were getting free records from labels. And I was like, what, how do you do that? I never found out, you know, later in life, I found out that basically you just, yo, I'm a DJ at this club or this radio station, send me stuff. So I amassed a big collection and started DJing for my friends that would throw small parties at banquet halls. They would like rent out a banquet hall, charge $10 cover, and then sell liquor in the back for like 16, 18 year old kids. Started there. Then those friends through, uh, began having bigger parties, like huge house parties, bigger banquet halls. Once we like got older in age, nightclubs were like, yo, you, you pulled, you know, 450 kids into this banquet hall when you were, you know, 17, 18, do you still have those contacts? Can you get 35 people to this club? So then the promoters that I used to work with when they were doing banquet halls moved on to nightclubs and they started bringing people to nightclubs and they were like, yo, come DJ because they pay me, you know, 40 bucks. And I was like, yes, beers on me, everybody. Bank. Yeah. yeah. And so the big break happened. I got lucky. I was working at a nightclub where the owner of that nightclub became the marketing director for a huge nightclub conglomerate in Miami, some of the biggest clubs. And I had been working there for like maybe a year and a half, two years. And he gave me a shot in the small room of this nightclub and they paid like 200 bucks a night. And I was like, holy shit, it's $200. And then when I was like 20, I started thinking, I don't know what sparked it, maybe a little bit earlier than that, maybe like 19, because I remember I played my first clubs when I was like late 17, early 18 on South Beach. I thought to myself, if I'm making $200 in the back room, what's the DJ in the front room making? And I started working towards being in the main room in Miami, whatever nightclub would take me, but really the nightclubs that I knew that, that I could work at. So once I decided that that was the goal, started working towards it figured out what they were doing in the main room would try to like listen to djs as much as i could i was busy working the back rooms most nights so i didn't have a chance to listen to the dudes in the main room a lot but eventually that that break came man like i worked three or four years nonstop, you know on the small rooms the side rooms the little rooms the low paying rooms but it never it never brought me down because i always found like some positive way to think about it i think a lot of times when someone now anyway from what i've experienced from the conversations i've had with djs when they when they talk about oh this is bullshit like oh they only pay this much i'm like how long you been there they're like oh six months i'm like dude i did like three years in the worst like the back room with terrible speakers where the bartenders sucked and no one would go in there like they'd go in there to like get air from the the other rooms that were popping and i was waiting for people to walk in to play one hot record for them to be like oh that dj's dope like come on man 
you, you know, you, we get to do something so beautiful. Don't complain about it. In my opinion, anyway, at least this is the mentality that I've brought forth in, in this work. So three or four years go by of me doing my best to get to that main room. I get my breaks into the main room. And obviously I'm going like super hard because I want this to be perfect. And by super hard, I don't mean I'm playing super hard music. I mean, I'm like right. working at this a lot, downloading music, making sure that everything's tight, practicing on a regular basis. If I ever, I heard a DJ one time that was like so much better than me uh, when I was doing this clubs that I slammed the door closed in my room and like didn't leave for like two weeks while I was practicing because I felt like I couldn't show my face around town because this dude was so much better than I was. And two weeks straight, you know, four to eight hours a day, I'd sit there and practice. I got to get this right. I got to get that right. So once I made it to the main room, I was lucky enough to make it to the main room. Maybe, maybe it wasn't luck. Maybe it was work. I'm in the main room. And after maybe like a year or two of that, I'm like, what else? What more? I'm working four or five nights a week in Miami, the prime nightclubs, you know, some of the best nights. So what, what else? And then DJ started coming from out of town to my clubs. So I went from being the headliner to being like an opener and closer. And I was like, hmm, where are you guys from? So what happened was at the time, one of the clubs I was working at was opening a, a nightclub in Vegas. And the management company that was going to supply the DJs to them in Vegas said, yeah, 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 we'll take care of you in Vegas. But you got to book our guys in Miami too. The trade. And then these guys started coming in from Vegas and LA. And I was like, whoa, you DJ in my city. How do I get to your city? And then that's when that started. And I started looking for management. I would ask first, I'd ask people that I respected in my city. It's like, Hey man, do you know how to get me out of town? The, you know, one, one answer I got was I'm so local. It's not even fucking funny. <laughs> so, okay. That didn't work. So I'm like, okay, what are my options? I got to figure this out because I wanted to start traveling because I saw that that was an option. I didn't know that was an option before they started coming to my city. <laughs> right. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I had spent like uh, maybe like six years tr uh, working in, in Miami and I didn't know that it was an option to work at other cities. This was, and you know what I think it was? There was a lot of pioneers that did it before, uh, before I did. Uh, Grand Funky, Stone Rock, DJ Vice, DJ Five. Um, Obi-Wan, these dudes were like, go out. I think this was like pre-social media, like when MySpace was either starting or before it blew up. So through MySpace, I think I reached my first out-of-town booking, which was in Toronto. And I was like, whoa, they're going to pay me how much money? Whoa, I got to do this a lot more. So that was my first taste. And I was desperately searching for management and one of my creeds has always been, if everyone's going in one direction, run really fast the other way. Because that way you'll always be first in line. So when everyone was trying to join up on existing management labels, I was like, no, that's not going to work. I don't want this one. I don't want that one. I'm going to get lost in the shuffle. No, no, no. So I finally found one that I wanted to, to work at. And I sent an email and it bounced to a gentleman named Lewis. And he said, I'll get back to you. I'll let you know if we need DJs at this label. I'm like, cool. Maybe six months go by. 
still working in Miami, obviously four or five nights a week, doing the best I can to figure out how to progress to the next level. You never want to stay at one in one place for too long, I feel, because complacency is the murderer of your dreams. If you feel too comfortable, then there's someone coming up behind you that's hungrier and they're going to steal it. Or you're just not going to be as sharp. So I would consistently try to figure out how to get to that next level. Six months later, Lewis messages, not messages, but emails me from a different email account, no longer with the at label, you know, the label that it was. And he says, hey, you still want to work? I'm like, I'll get back to you. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, yeah, whatever. Nah, this guy, who is this guy? Yeah. So two months later, he sends another email. Hey, man, I still want to work, man. I think we can do do some good things. I'm like, all right, how about this? I'll test it. I'll test you. Next, by, by the way, let me just pause here. At the time, Miami was so hot that every week I was getting a business card. I was getting a contact. I was getting a club owner from Minnesota, a club owner from New York, a club owner from Los Angeles, a club owner from everywhere in the world. They were all going to Miami because it was the hottest thing to do. It was like the spot. Um, so th- I told him, I told Lewis in this email, I, I believe if, I might've spoken to him in person, but I said, look, let's test this out, see how it goes. Next person that comes up to me and requests me for an out of town date, I'll forward it to you. And however you handle it, We'll see, and then we'll figure out if it's worth, you know, getting into a relationship together. And it just so happens that the next person that contacted me, I don't remember if it was like in person or through email, was a booker in Switzerland. And they were like, hey, you know, how do we book you out here? So I'm like, this is my agent, Lewis. I was trying to figure out how to word it. Obviously, I have no idea. This is my agent manager, Lewis. Please email with him. So we went to Switzerland. I met Lewis in person for the first time at the airport. He was living in Los Angeles and he brokered the whole deal, which was for terrible money at the time. Uh, Well, maybe not at the time. Terrible money right now. Uh, And by terrible money, I don't mean to diminish, you know, the value of the dollar. But if you're going to fly overseas, friends, DJs, compadres, colleagues, please don't fly overseas for low money because then you just mess up the market for everyone else. Like make them pay, you know, if make them pay, even if it's, you know, a one-time thing, take a vacation, but make them pay. That's a long flight. So at the time it was not great money. Let me just say that. Um, and he got it done and, and he flew from LA to Miami and from Miami, I met him at the airport. We had only spoken through email and on the phone, met him at the airport. We get to Switzerland, play the gigs, everything was, went well, we got paid. And I was like, cool, man, from now on, anytime I get you know an offer, I'll send it to you. So for a really long time, I had, it was, you know, sometimes I wonder if, if life is destiny or life is friendlier to those who don't resist and ex- and are more accepting because Miami was so hot. I had like four or five nights a week that I was working, but every once in a, in a while, you know, I'd have an open day as Miami's downturn, which right now I feel like Miami is not as hot as it used to be. There's definitely 
a lot of room for improvement. As this, the market downturned and there was less to do that would help my career, the rich group started taking off higher and higher, which is the, the management company that I'm with now and have been with. And it basically happened like a, you know, an intersection where when the local gigs started dying down, not because they weren't available, because they just weren't doing anything. They were cutting budgets and they weren't really, Miami wasn't looked at on a national level like, oh, that's the, the spot to be anymore. And everything just happened to fit in place as the Miami gigs slow down the out of town gigs sped up and then i just started traveling all the time every weekend and th that i'm gonna go ahead and stop there because i feel like i've been talking forever but that whole story is the span of you know 13 years 14 years wow yeah that's nuts but you still keep like i mean your home base or whatever you just keep maybe like a monthly there or something but you're still just traveling like everywhere yeah i think it's a, it's important to keep a whatever you you live to have a proper base for sure and have the proper contacts and and that comes with time if there's ever a month where i might have a date open i've been in miami for so long that i could just hit up anybody and be like yo i got this day off can you squeeze me in and a lot of times I've, i'm friends with the booker i'm friends with the the promoter they know they're going to get quality they're going to get a good promo for their club so they're like yeah you got it you're in so that's why i think it's important to keep a a, a strong healthy relationship with the, the local clubs right on the outside looking in of course that seems like amazing right you're doing what you love to do you're traveling but like can that maybe be stressful you miss home as family like what does that look like the uh, airport hotel club back to the airport back home like what give yeah. us like a typical scenario of what, what that truly is like for okay. you first let me just say stressful is digging ditches stressful is putting your life on the line to defend your country maybe at least to me stressful is having five kids working two jobs and not knowing if you're going to make rent stressful is doing something that you do, don't like to do eight hours a day five days a week so when friday night comes along you have to drown yourself you know whatever vice you might have because you don't like what you're doing but you have to do it because you got to eat that's stressful all right so what I do is not stressful. What I do does involve a lot of physical and mental strength sometimes because there is a lot of sleep loss that goes on. <laughs> but I don't think that it's stressful. But maybe maybe that's a frame of mind. Maybe stress is a frame of mind. Some people thrive in stress. Yeah. Some people say, you know, I don't work well until I feel the pressure. Whatever. It's not stressful. Typical day. Start on Thursday night. If I'm traveling for the weekend and I'm not working Thursday, I usually will stay up. So if it's Thursday night at 10 p.m., I'm going to stay up till about 6 a.m. Because I take the first flight out for multiple reasons. Just to name a few, earlier flights have the airplane already at the airport. There's no previous flight. So it's not coming in from anywhere, which means it's not going to be delayed. Unless there's a problem with the plane, it's going to take off on time every time because the plane's already at the airport. In the morning, there's less people that are going to make the flight because people like to sleep. So if you're already awake and you make the airplane and you're on the upgrade list, it's likely you're going to get upgraded. 
In the morning, it's more difficult to get little babies on the plane because parents say, well, you know what? I'm going to need my sleep. Let's just go at like 4 p.m. So there's less babies that are crying on the plane in the morning. So that's, that's why you always take the first flight out. And that's not an opinion. That's a fact. You want to be delayed. You don't want to make your gig. Take the flight wherever you like at whatever time you want. You want to make it on time. Take the first flight in the morning. So I stay up at about 6 a.m. Hopefully I've packed. Most likely I haven't. I pack, take a shower, go to the airport. If not earlier, maybe it's 5 a.m. that I start doing this. Take off. Let's say I'm going to Chicago, Studio Paris, one of my favorite spots to play in the Midwest. I land mm, 11 a.m. Slept on the plane the whole time. Why? Because I'm tired as fuck because I didn't sleep the night before. So what am I doing? Killing two birds with one stone. Traveling for about three and a half hours and being able to sleep on the plane because I'm really fucking tired. Land in Chicago, get in the car, go to a hotel. Now I have a choice. It's 11 a.m. I can either go see the city because I just got a really dope REM cycle on the plane because I was so tired that I haven't been able to sleep You know, the whole night before. I slept on the plane. I feel relatively refreshed. I can go see the city. It's 11 a.m. There's no traffic. I can go anywhere I want. Go get some deep dish pizza. Go check out the bean. Or maybe I'm tired because I wasn't able to sleep well on the plane. Or I didn't get a good REM cycle. Cool. It's 11 a.m. I can still go to sleep right now. And I can sleep for eight hours. I wake up at seven. I'm ready for dinner. Wake up. Download some music. Make sure the, 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 the edit game is tight. Go to dinner at 9.30, 10 o'clock. Finish by 11. Get to the club. I like getting to the club about an hour before I have to play. On the West Coast, sometimes maybe 30 minutes to 45 minutes. But an hour before I play, because I like to catch the vibe of the room, listen to the opener, see if there's anything dopey's playing that I need to be on, see what kind of people are coming in, what kind of bottles are buying, chunking data. I'm listening, I'm watching. Play. And whatever time I get on to whatever time I get off, go back to my room, maybe squeeze in a nap, depending on what time the first flight out is of that city because again i'm on that first flight if i can squeeze in a nap it's about three or four hours go back to the airport repeat the process so now let's say i'm going to boston or a long haul let's say i'm going to san francisco love and propaganda i get to the airport 6 7 a.m maybe san francisco 9 10 a.m and i have you know another sleep uh planned for the plane because i haven't slept so i can sleep for four hours five hours on the plane and if i land and i'm still tired it's 11 a.m., 12 a.m., 12 uh, noon. I can still sleep. Or maybe it's even earlier if you're flying east to west. So get to the hotel room in San Francisco after the car ride. And I have a choice. Go see the city. Go see the Golden Gate Bridge or take a nap. However I feel is what I do. Like you just listen to your body. Really. That's that's a tip for traveling. Whenever you, you feel tired, sleep. If you don't feel tired, keep going. Simple. <laughs> um, then... Same same process, 7, 8 a.m., uh, I'm sorry, 7 or 8 p.m. to figure out if the music game is tight, if I have to download anything, if there's any edits that have to be made. Go to dinner, go to the club, finish at the club, and then Sunday, when you're flying back home, that's basically a freebie. It's like, you can sleep in. I prefer to be home. I like getting home earlier. The earlier, the better. You can sleep in on Sunday, check out, you know, ask for a late checkout, <clears throat> make sure the club you know approves a late checkout or whoever is handling the hotel if you're handling it yourself ask for a late checkout and fly back home the next day after you you know you go to sleep for a couple hours sleep in or don't sleep in and fly back home and then sunday is the day that i take to reset so you have to stay awake till a moderate hour of of night 
10, 11, maybe midnight. So you'll sleep the whole way through. So then Monday, you're waking up at 9, 10 in the morning after 10 hours of sleep, but you're rested and you're fresh and you just reset your system. Yeah. So now you're ready to start that week off. And that's only if you, if you travel two days. If you travel three days and then there's cars involved, maybe you have to drive somewhere because sometimes, you know, traveling is dope because a lot of clubs and a lot of uh, uh, hotels or casinos or whatever entity you might be working for, they'll send limos for you, cars for you. You know, it, it's, it's really rad sometimes. Other times it's not so glamorous. Other times you got to play, you know, in Austin, uh, and you're in Dallas the night before and the, the plane ride is 45 minutes or 50 minutes and it costs 250 bucks, you know? So, so like the club might be like, yo, we're not paying for this flight. Drive, you know, hours, drive, yeah. figure it out. We'll yeah. send a driver for you. That's cool. You know, that's not so glamorous, but it happens so that then it gets a little different. What a typical traveling quote unquote week might, might be for a DJ. Got you. Got you. Well, that's gold, man. That's the game. Like from in and out, that's pretty dope. I kind of wanted to talk about like your daily work, your routine, and and also like pre-club. You kind of mentioned a little bit like you're checking out the openers, seeing what they're playing. Uh, what's your process on, especially now, man, music's everywhere, Spotify, the iTunes, the SoundClouds, keeping up with all the new music. And you mentioned earlier, you're kind of screening of, you know, you have an idea already what's working. So walk us through that process of like, you know, you're downloading music, um, subgenres, genres, like what's, how do you, how do you work that out? Okay. Um, one thing I want to touch on first that I mentioned earlier is that complacency is the murderer of all of your dreams. Everything that you've worked for will go down the drain if you become complacent. And the reason why I preface this with that is because we have a lot of freedom during the week. If you're only working the weekends, maybe Friday and Saturday, maybe you're one of the lucky ones that can work Thursday, Friday and Saturday or Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday or like a weekday. If you're super lucky, you have a lot of free time, meaning that Monday, the whole day is free. What are you going to do with your time? A lot of people say, oh, you know, I wish I had your job. You're so free. You can do whatever you want. It's like, yeah, it's a blessing and, and, and it's a curse because you can sit there and play video games for eight hours a day, or you can sit there and watch TV or, you know, figure out some sort of a gambling addiction out in your head <laughs> or whatever. Um, the very, very important thing is that you set, in my opinion, and this is how I've gotten to this level. I set rules. I really want a PlayStation. I really want an Xbox. You know why I haven't bought one? Because I cannot rationalize spending five hours in one day playing a video game that does nothing for my career. It's, it's like, oh, but you know, it's entertainment. Just, okay, then go to the gym, work on yourself, make yourself better. Oh, but you know, sometimes you got to disconnect. Okay, then read a book, go on a walk, chill, chill in silence, turn on, put on a scented candle and chill in a room by yourself. I don't see any reason. Like right now, if there's a game I really want, maybe I'll buy one, maybe, but I return it. I'll be like, what's the return policy on this thing? 30 days? All right, I'll see you in 15, you know? That's, but that's how I think. So right. it's up to yeah. the individual. You have to download music and you have to screen songs. There's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of avenues for people to, to get music. I feel like as long as you're balls deep in it, you're, you're out, you know, one or two nights a week, at least very important. You go out, you listen to other DJs, how they do it, how they run the room. You see what songs are popping. So screening music is very important since we have a lot of freedom during the week. Going back to your question, I'm so long-winded. I'm so sorry. Is there anybody listening still? It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> so during the week, you have a lot of free time. Listen 
to as much music as you can. Spotify is dope, but I feel like the the platform itself doesn't give you a lot of ability to find things that might be playable. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just haven't ex- ex- uh, explored it enough. But hit up all your record pools. Play every song. I play every song that comes out in that record pool. You want my job? Listen to every song twice. Because I listen to everyone. Why? Because I feel like the one that I don't listen to, ah, I'm going to skip this one, whatever. I don't want to hear it. That's the hit that I'm missing out on. That's the one song that I'm going to be like, oh, oh, I got to play that. If I don't listen to all of them, maybe that's just me being psychotic or <laughs> or OCD, but I listen to every song and I download music and then I wake up on Tuesday. Maybe that's Monday. Just for example, you know, download a bunch of music, make a bunch of edits, tailor the music to what I need. And this is just work. You know, this is not balancing personal life. I'm just going to speak on work here. Tuesday, maybe you wake up and you're like, all right, I got to post something on social media. I got to figure out a dope picture. I have an idea for this video that I want to record. It's like every moment since I have so much freedom, instead of spending it on personal time and maybe things that I consider ineffective to advance my career, I'm constantly like hamster, hamster wheeling. What's the next step? What do I do next? How can I get to that next level? Is there a next level? Have I reached the top? Have I peaked? Like a, like some people claim that they've peaked in their city. And I feel like there's no such thing as peak until you have what you want. Right. And maybe that's unattainable. So uh, screen music during the week, figure out videos, talk to other DJs, see what they're playing, share edits with your, with your close teammates, uh, your close colleagues, see what other people are doing, try to do it better. Um, put out mixes, you know, it's a million things. You have a, a, a limitless amount of things you can do during the week. And um, specifically for pre-club prep, I mean, everything, in my opinion, should be done before you get to the club. Like you shouldn't be downloading at the last minute or, you know, I'm guilty of it every once in a blue moon, but the day of, there shouldn't really be a lot of downloading or editing. Like you should have all your shit straight for the week end because you have the whole week to do it. Right. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions when people they think, oh, you're just you you're DJing for four hours, but they don't realize all that pre work, like the down, like you're saying, the screening, like that's. I mean, I don't know the percentage. I would say something like eighty twenty, maybe you know, but like all that prep work versus actually being out there for that two hours, that four hours. I don't know. A lot of people I know when when I explain it to them, they kind of bug out. You know what I mean? They don't. I don't think I they see that. But I think that that goes for. Sorry, that goes for um, anything in life. You see a doctor, you know being a doctor is hard. Right, right. But you never know what being a doctor is like till you actually go through those steps to be a doctor. <laughs> and you spend your 10 years reading whatever the hell doctors read. Right. You know, bone books or whatever they're, they're on, you know. You would never know. Right. So it's understandable that somebody would not know what the, the scope of the, the work that goes into what we do. Right. Because I feel like that's true with a lot of professions. Yeah. Shit, dude. I mean, you seem like a really deep dude, strategic maybe, but like really like, I, you know, obviously positive, but I see like you, you're more looking at the solutions versus the problems and um, this, you know, the excuses of no excuses and then the personal development, like where does that work ethic come from? Was that something you were, you know, taught when you're little something? I don't know. All right. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) I can, uh, (laughs) I can speculate. Okay. My mom was a very hard worker. She went to work every day. I never saw her complain about going to work every day. Every once in a while, she'd be like, oh, I'm really tired. 
I'm so tired. But she wouldn't complain she, because I think she loved what she did. Now, I don't know if that got passed on to me. My mom's a nurse. Right. Um, and it's a very beautiful profession. If there's anyone out there that's contemplating jumping into nursing, please do. We need we need you because if you're thinking about it, you're probably are the right person for it. Uh, I think it's a beautiful career in nursing medicine in general. You know, people will always be sick. People will always need help. So the more there are of you, the better we'll all be because we'll be healthy. So my mom would be a nurse, uh, you know, and she was a nurse. She is a nurse. Go to work every day, not complain. And maybe that's where I picked it up. Mm-hmm. That's speculation. Maybe I'm trying to get back at all the kids in second grade that wouldn't sit with me at lunch. And I'm like, ah, you fuckers. Now you want to get into my club, do you? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I don't know where the work ethic comes from. Right. I know that life is really short. True. It's really short. How'd you learn that though? How did I learn life was, was that, short? Was there anything like through the hard way? Because I know how to just... count to a hundred and very little people live that long. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. That's a decade. Yeah. And some people only get like five decades because they die of a heart attack because yeah. they like cheeseburgers i mean this sounds real simple right i'm talking to him asking you this but like it's it's i feel like a lot of people miss that you know like it's a possible. lot of people do it's and possible it's crazy so i don't know I, yeah I, I, look if i knew i'd write a book <laughs> this is how you figure it shit out right i don't know yeah. i just know life is really short and there's no time to play fucking video games but i really want to no <laughs> there, there's no time to like spend time doing things that aren't going to serve a purpose right. i think sure there's i'm not saying you have to be a mindless robot and constantly work at things that are only going to develop into positive things or money or career advancement that that'd be a terrible life right you can have vacations you can you know do things that are fun you can do things that you enjoy but doing them too often i think it might be a byproduct of people that do th- think something for a living that they don't like so i oh god i gotta go to this fucking office and sell insurance maybe you love to sell insurance i don't know but i'm, I'm speaking about the person that hates it i gotta go sell insurance with this off a fucking office i hate their shit yeah and then you spend eight hours there and you're like oh god and then you get home and you video game it and then you know on the weekend you just like you know you're not doing anything productive to like advance your situation maybe you don't know how i don't know I don't know. I, I have no idea how the, the work ethic comes in, but I just know that I like it. Mm-hmm. I like working. I like seeing problems solved. Maybe that's it. You know, a, a friend of mine one time sent me a text and is like, hey, what? You know, she asked a question. Uh, my friend Lindsay that lives in Seattle is getting married soon. She's like, hey, uh, how do you do this or that? I, I forget. It was a problem that she had. And I was like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. And she's like, I know that's why I texted you because I know you won't stop till you figure it out. <laughs> right. Let me know when you got it. Bye. And that was, <laughs> and I thought you were using me. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you know me so well. We're, we're good friends and you're using me for whatever you need solved. I don't know, dude. It's just how I'm wired, maybe. Yeah. So if there's something that, like you said, you mentioned gym, reading a book, but if there's something where it's, if it's not Netflix, it's not obviously PS4 or whatever, mm-hmm. if there's one thing that you did that kind of this was, even if, Man, I, I guess I have a feeling you're gonna answer me just being still. But is there one thing <laughs> no. like you know, I, House I of Cards? Nothing like I won't boot you. I don't. Uh, I was watching The Walking Dead, and then it got kind of shitty, so I stopped watching it. I don't. I don't like watching shows. It, it involves taking up too much of my attention. I I don't have time to. Uh, I don't know. I like. Okay, so you're asking me 
if there was one thing, right? I like reading stuff. I like finding out things about the stuff I like. So like, I like mixed martial arts. So I like watching fighting. So I'll read, you know, what fighters are doing. Um, maybe I'll watch a couple of videos on uh, fighting techniques. I, I've taken, you know, a couple martial arts classes here or there. Um, uh, so I will watch those videos because those interest me uh, on my, okay, here's my vice learning because fuck college because i think the institution of college is ridiculous learn what we think you should learn because we're going to teach it to you while you pay us and then once you learn what we said that you had to learn while you were paying us here's a paper proving that you learned what we said you had to learn (laughs) to me that sounds like wizardry fuckery yeah no thanks so i just read about all the things that i'm curious about maybe i hear something a, a word or a name that i don't know I'm like, oh, I got to check up on that. So guess what? There's a documentary about everything these days. Right. So I read about this that I didn't know about. Maybe I read about, you know, Franz Ferdinand that got assassinated and started World War One. It's like, well, how did this happen? Right. Why did this go down? I don't. Maybe I don't remember from college. I don't remember from high school. So then I'll just go balls deep into a bunch of documentaries about World War One yeah. and learn about that. So like, th- that I think is is a good way of quote unquote wasting time gotcha. learning. Yeah. Just being beneficial of every minute, sure. every second. I see that. Sure. That's cool. Um, so besides, you know, being a DJ for a living, professional DJing, traveling, as far as the business part of it, it seems like you kind of maybe figured that out. Like, I think you kind of have that figured out. Is there by any chance? I mean, everyone knows, you know, you need websites, your IG mm-hmm. to look tight, uh, press photos. Do mm-hmm. you have any, is there a system in place that you know that you got to do this quarterly or are you just things that you know you have to have? How does that work out for you? Right, I wouldn't divide it into time, like quarterly, weekly, monthly. Right. What I would say is you have your, your foundation or your base. Right. And I think, uh, there's a, there's a, a video series that I did for club killers. That's a, a record pool out of Las Vegas. Um, clubkillers.com. If you guys want to check it out. I did a video video series for them or with them called Decoded. And in that video series, I basically went through, I think it's seven videos. I went through all the things I think that DJs need to know that I want, you know, like questions that I got most frequently. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the base, you need a website, you need social media, whichever, like whichever ones are out there, that's what you need. You need to be active on all of them all the time yeah because if you're just starting no one knows who you are so you have to attract them with your personality your music your your charisma your skill your talent your creative mixing whatever it might be right um so as far as having the business side figured out hell no (laughs) hell no yeah first of all different clubs different different ideas of how to run the club, different uh, booking booking entities at different clubs, different groups at different clubs. Everything works differently. This is an, an ever-evolving field where you might work at a club one week and you know the booker there and you have a great relationship and that booker says, oh, you know what, guys? I'm out. I'm going to go sell insurance. Mm-hmm. New booker comes in. He goes, oh, hey, you've been here for five years? Yeah, cool, man. Listen, I'm going to go use my friend so you're fired. Right. <laughs> that's a, you know that's that's the business of clubs sometimes so there's no way to figure it out it's an ever evolving ever continuous i want to say struggle but it's not a struggle adventure mm-hmm. for the climb to the top which i don't think there is a top which right. is why we're all climbing forever yeah so speaking of forever like this 
this is kind of weird for me. Like I'm, what am I now? I'm 34 years old. Right. And, uh, you know, you see guys, whatever, quote unquote, successful guys, DJs, whoever, what does that future look like for you? I mean, are, are you trying to DJ for the next five years, 10 years? Do you even see that far ahead? What, what do you, any goals at all that you have? I used future? to say, I used to say that I didn't know and it was irresponsible, but I love DJing so much that I, I had no idea. And once again, life just kind of falls into place when you don't have resistance and you just live I want to say positive slash optimistic life. You know, I I was able to make uh, a few uh, decisions early in life in my DJ career that are very, very beneficial to me now. So I always uh, think to myself, well, let's say tomorrow they outlaw DJing. They pass a decree in this country. DJing's over. Let's say that that happens and they DJing's outlawed. No more dancing. Yeah. Well, I would still hustle the shit out of whatever I'm doing. Right. Like whatever I pick, you whoever's in like at the top position of that job that I'm going to do, like start looking behind you. Cause I'm coming. Right. That's how you got to think. Be the great white. You should position yourself for financial freedom. Don't position yourself to look good for other people. This is my advice, my opinion, the way I live. So, if you plan accordingly the best years and you, you do what you're supposed to do with your money, or at least what I think you should do, you know, buy a house, put money into that house, maybe invest in a couple of companies. Your friends are like, yo, I'm going to start this, blah, blah, blah. I need X amount of dollars. Get it in writing. Get your money back. Maybe one of these people like, you know, I heard Gary V talking. His friend came up to him, you know, years ago. I was like, yo, I need 25 grand. I'm starting up a company. And Gary Vee was like, ah, I don't know, man. Uber? That sounds weird. He passed. What do you mean? Yeah. What is this? People use their own car? I don't know. Nah, man, I'm cool. That 25000 turns into like $35 million, you know, all these years later. He, ne- he never did it. Right. So it's like, if you don't have that money ready to invest because you spent it on, I don't want to be like the, the responsible father banker here, but, yeah. you know, be wise with your money. So mm-hmm. if you position yourself where you maybe don't have to work because a lot of the shit that you need on a regular basis, your house, your car, you have savings so you can buy food. All that stuff is taken care of. Then there's less pressure to think about the future and you can plan accordingly. Right. Now, let's say that you own your house. Like, First of all, ask yourself, how wealthy do you want to be? Like, How, how rich do you really want to be? Because if you want to be rich as fuck, then I don't know because I'm not rich as fuck. I'm not even rich, you know. Right. I I could just say that I I can buy food, I have a house, I have a car, and I don't really worry too much about price tags if I really want it. But I don't really want a lot of things, so it's not a big deal. Um, so I don't know. I maybe better conversation for a financial guru, but just based on personal experience, setting up your financials to work for you in the future is very important, and that will alleviate a lot of the pressure of the decision making for your future career path at this point i feel like i got another good mm, 12 years 10 to 12 years long end yeah anywhere let's say that it's at some point in the future i fall out of favor that's it i'm no longer cool no one wants to book me something happened uh whatever you know i'm gonna go work at that bar where they pay 100 bucks and make that 25 an hour. Gotcha. And then I'm going to drive Uber the rest of the week. And then I might come take whoever's job, you know, like who's not working hard enough. And I'll figure it out. Um, so on the long end, probably like 
I would say 10 years, 10 to 12 years, if I want it. Because I know DJs that are older than I would be when I get to that age and they're still doing good. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they're skewing it for me. But on the short end, let's say that I, I w- I'm able to achieve, you know, uh, a lot of financial success in the next couple of, let's say, f- five years. In the next five years, I'm able to achieve a, a decent level of financial success and I can finish uh, paying off maybe one or two houses, right? maybe a house, whatever, just one. Yeah. It's like once you get rid of that debt, that monthly debt of rent or mortgage and you can live in a house without having to pay anybody, just like pay... You know, maybe a small association fee or a small fee to wherever you live and, and property taxes, bro, yeah. that's, that's freedom. That's the win. That's freedom. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I really, I go as life guides. My friend started a media company. He said, I need X amount of dollars. I'm like, okay, let's see what, ha- we'll see where it goes. My other friend started, uh, you know, another company. It's like, hey, you want a small percentage of this? Just do this. I'm like, okay, let's go. I don't know. I have plans. Right. I don't want to say some of them because cool. I don't want people to beat me. That's one thing, you know? You got, and this is it's fairly simple. Maybe I'll come back in like a year. Once once the plan's done, just remind me. <laughs> but there should always be some some type of grasping for the next level. Right. Because if not, you're complacent. And again, complacency will kill your career. I need that on a shirt already. Yeah, I got it. I didn't even have sure. it. Uh, well, that's dope, man. I appreciate you sharing that because like, I feel like, you know, a lot of that and, I, and a lot of what this podcast is about, like these are things that people don't bring to the forefront. You know, people don't talk about that. They see the glamorous thing, the traveling, the DJ stuff. But this shit right here, I mean, that's it's real, you know, it's real life. So if there's anything, maybe three tips or anything that you can suggest to make that jump from whether they're working that $25 an hour at the bar to wanting to get that big club in, in Vegas, Miami, wherever, like what, what would you suggest that person's doing? Everybody's path is going to be different. Right. So I, I can't answer that question. It depends on the individual. I'll tell you that you should be working harder than anyone around you. If there are people around you that are working harder, then you are not doing it right. Right. So different paths for different people. You have to have your shit tight. You got to be a good DJ. You have to go out a lot. I mean, you just have to cover all your bases. Eventually it will come. Just don't expect it to come overnight or in a week or in two months, or maybe it does and you're lucky. But if it doesn't, don't get discouraged. Shit took me years and I'm still not happy. I want more. 12 years deep and I'm still like, I ain't shit. Hmm. And if you feel like, oh man, I've been DJ for five years. I'm at the dopest clubs. This is great. I'm coming for your job. Hungry. Your shit's going to be mine. Just <laughs> wait. Wait till they book me in your city. Then you're going to be like, oh, I've been fucking slipping. And it's too late. I'm already way too far ahead. Yeah. That's how you got to think. Great white. With whatever you do really in life, I think, why not capitalize? Make the most of your energy. If you're lucky enough to do something, why not do it to the best of your ability? Right. If you're not, if you're, if you're cool with just being a C student, it's not for you. That's how I was in school. School said, yo, get an A, but we'll pass you with a C. And I was like, hmm, I could do half the homework and still get out of this bitch. Fuck it. I'll take the C. Right. That's how I know school's not for me. If you're willing to take the C in whatever you're doing, that shit's not for you. Figure out what you want to get an A in and go do that. 
better than all the other kids. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. Cool. So that's what you got to do. Go get an A in whatever city, whatever club, whatever bar you're at and, and kill it and, and go make a lot of money and be smart with it. That's the best advice, right? Yeah. Just whatever you're doing really. But if you're a DJ more so. Dude, props to you and everything you're doing. Um, keep doing it. Of course. I know you will, obviously. I'm going to do my best. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, but I mean, you're just. You're real self-aware, man. Like you really know yourself, and I think that's that's pretty dope. <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I don't take compliments well, but thank you. No, no, I, 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 I I'm trying to work on that too. It's yeah, kind of hard to, to accept hard, the compliment. Right? Yeah, yeah, straight up. Well, wait, let me try. Thank you. I I do my best. Word. <laughs> what is the best place for people to keep up with what you got going on? The Twitters, the website. What do you got going? I have been lucky enough to grab the handle my favorite DJ. That's it. You can look for DJ Conflict. That might come up if you spell it right. Right. But social media, my favorite DJ because why not? That's what I, I'll try to be. Wherever I'm, wherever you're at, if I'm there, that's what I'm going to try to be. Um, so on Instagram, my favorite DJ. On Twitter, my favorite DJ. On Facebook, my favorite DJ. On Snapchat, which is dying. <laughs> my favorite life because my favorite DJ wouldn't sell it to me. You prick. Damn it. I know where you are. You're like Washington, D.C. I like I checked on something or other. <laughs> you wouldn't sell it to me. I was going to send you a check, asshole. Anyway, yeah. My favorite DJ. Check it out. Um, if you like what you see, follow. Send me a comment or a message if you enjoyed it. If you made it this far, because I know I talk a lot. If you made it this far, send me a message. What's your... Secret passcode. Secret was, passcode. Let's do. Passcode. Uh, Wait, was that was that on your laptop? Mindset. On mindset. Yeah. On mindset. Yeah. Okay. If if you send me the passcode on mindset, I'll get you free to whatever club is in the city that I'm in that you're in. On mindset is the password. Golden, All right, golden so, ticket. Yeah, yeah, golden ticket. Wrapping up here. <laughs> Word up, man. Well, it was a pleasure, man. I appreciate you stopping by. Um, enjoy the rest of your time on the West Coast. I know you're out here for a little more. You going to Vegas after this or something like that? Yeah, I might stop in Vegas before going back. Cool. Uh, I actually uh, am free this weekend. I haven't been free for uh, Friday and Saturday. I want to say like a year and a half. Um, so I'm free on Friday and Saturday, and I want to go out and see how other DJs conduct the nightclubs. Like last night. I went out in LA because I wanted to see what goes on when I'm not playing. Yeah. And so even when I'm not working, I'm working. <laughs> Always on it. That's what's up. All right. Conflict. I appreciate the time, man. Thank you very much. Peace. Thank you for checking out this episode of On Mindset. Please make sure to rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes. Let me know what you think. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We will be back next time with another creative guest right here on Mindset.